Hello, I'm Kaifas Muyambo, your host for Building It for Success podcast. Today I have Sam Maloka, the founder and CEO of Sam Core, a South African company that focuses on minerals trading, farm security and skills development training. Sam tells me about the importance of converting every good idea you may have into a business. And you don't need to have all the skills required to convert that idea into a profitable business, but you just need the mind of an entrepreneur. So Sam, there's going to be a lot for you to share, uh, but I would like us to start from who you are, what you're doing now, and how you got to do what you are doing now. So thank you so much for coming over to speak to me. Thank you. Thank you, Kefas, and uh, thank you for the opportunity to be part of your your podcast and uh, interview with entrepreneurs. I think Africa needs more inspiration for us to rise and be counted in the global economy. I really appreciate you. Uh, my background, and perhaps to start with who I am, my name is Sam Maloka. Uh, that is the name most familiarly known. Sam is from Samuel, of course. And I share Sam with my father. He was Samson and I was Samuel. Then we all are Sams. I am from uh, Polokwane, uh, Limpopo province. That is where I was born. And I happened to also school there at the University of Limpopo, where I did my Bachelor in Commerce, uh, measuring in economics, uh, become economics. I also did my Master's in Development there, uh, measuring in Development Economics. and. Uh, well, that is Limpopo, where I spent most of my my 40 years uh, until I decided to to relocate to Gauteng Province, Johannesburg, where I basically started my own business in Limpopo. I schooled and I worked there as an employee of the Provincial Economic Development Agency, uh, as an economist, as a strategist, and as a planner. Well, coming to Johannesburg, I I also did my second master's degree in Gauteng with the University of South Africa, UNISA, Graduate School of Leadership. I did Master's in Business Leadership there. I am actually holding two Master's degrees as, as I am at the moment. So that is me. I am running my own business. Of course, I did not start uh, doing my own things. I started working. I have a career as an employee spending 12 to 15 years. As I said, I spent most of my time in the development corporation as an economist and, and that entity was specializing most on advancing the plight of small, medium and micro enterprises, SMMEs, uh, assisting them on particularly financing. But the okay. work of the development corporation was multifaceted and that somehow gave me exposure into the work of businesses in the country. So I now run my own business uh, since 2015, 2016. And uh, my company, which I am a CEO at, and also an, an executive chairman, is SESEM Co, standing for companies, SESEM companies, PTO LTD. That is basically a holding company. Uh, you can then see in my introduction of other businesses that I'm, I'm having interest in other companies that I've created. So the second company is SESEM Consulting, where we are consultants, uh, business advisory and also tax consulting. I've got a partner there who is a chartered accountant. And that is where my interest of part in the business is coming in. I am a majority shareholder. She is a, 
a partner minority shareholder at 30%. And that, that is the business we started with really doing business consulting. As you can imagine, a commerce graduates will have interest in consulting in general, advising other people about business and how to run their own businesses. Yeah. My second business, which I had developed an interest in pursuing, was in minerals. Well, I started with the minerals trading and the company's name was Sam Minerals then, where I held 51% shares and I had a number of people, uh, specialists in mining who joined me as partners, geologists, metallurgists, electrotechnical engineers, and so forth and so forth. We started that company. Mm. We, we started doing trading, of course, uh, entertaining the interest of people wanting to buy minerals from South Africa, particularly chrome and coal, and also uh, precious metals. Uh, the company uh, had to, at the end, after a year or two, uh, leave the coal and chrome industry, because by practicing that business, we realized it is difficult to be a middleman uh, where we did not have our own coal and chrome business uh, mines. So we, we sort of left it and pursued precious metals, where the dynamics of the industry in South Africa warranted that we we have our own license and uh, that is what we we ultimately succeeded in achieving and we then changed the name of our company into ssm gold pty ltd and we are particularly positioned as a gold refiner in in the country so we are having a precious metals refining license from the south africa south african diamond precious metals regulator so now we are concentrating in the refining of silver and gold in that company. Well, of course, we are three years with the license, which means we are basically very much in the beginning of the whole business. We are studying, we are establishing, but the fact that we are licensed now, we are legally trading. We are doing everything that is required to, we are recognized as a refiner. We can hold gold. As you know, holding gold without licenses is illegal. So we are licensed to go around with gold. That is the second company, which really is our main focus at the moment. Yeah. But we, with my interest and passion of business, having a lot of ideas coming as one sleeps and wake up, I, I had an interest in farming. And then two, three years ago, we established a company called SESAM Farm Security, uh, which mainly looks after the security of farms. And, and that follows our, int our involvement in, in farming practically through SSM companies that are started in the beginning. That company is actually positioned as a farming entity. So we've got farming interest in Limpopo province, Bela Bela, Waterberg district, uh, particularly game farming. As we do our work in there, uh, we, we then saw a need of security into the farms and we established SSM farm security. In this company, our security is a bit different and people who are looking after farms are actually game rangers, especially wildlife farms. Okay. So we, we, we employ a lot of people we train as rangers. And many people are familiar with rangers working with the national parks of this world. But now uh, rangers also work for private entities. So we are now growing a company which mainly is driven by rangers because there's a need of farm security uh, from our experience in most of the farms. And that story is actually uh, very obvious as we move around the country and around the, the farming uh, district. So farm security is existing at the moment, employing 15 people who are rangers, and we our plan is to continuously uh, employ more people. As through this company, we are able to really create jobs 
for people who are who are unemployed and who are only having metric the requirement is just metric and the rest we give them as training the fourth company that i am doing which is a very interesting entity as well is the same edu ptyltd in here we are doing business training uh, my background coming from university i have aligned myself into yeah. an activism sort of being an activist but my our passion as activists was pursuing economic transformation of the country and also developing managerial leadership particularly of black people who historically were excluded from the economy yeah. so from my youth coming from the university i joined this movement which uh, which taught us uh, inculcated a culture of wanting to see the economy transformed so that then led us to uh, working with the state and the whole country in the development of a lot of policies as you know they are currently existing such as affirmative action employment equity and ultimately broad based pee with all the pillars the seven pillars of black economic empowerment including the skills development as it was the only pillar there so i have developed passion for people's development in the process uh, to an extent i continuously and having been a leader in business invited in conferences in workshops in seminars i had been talking empowering people running workshops to an extent i thought perhaps we need to establish mm. a legal legitimate and accredited company which will particularly do skills development and in this case we do skills development as business where we can have revenue while at the same time uh, 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 pursuing our our interest and passion of developing people so the same edu is here and uh, for the past 2 years that we have established the company we have particularly worked hard to make the company accredited because the market is tied out there especially for black people who don't know that much of english wanting to Uh, do consulting and to train people competing with the historically advantaged people and international companies it becomes very difficult for a black person so in in looking and studying the market i had then thought for us to have a competitive advantage and a niche in the market is if we pursue accreditation so we are a accredited training provider recognized by the country and the delivering education which is on demand as accredited uh, driven by the private sector and that is we have learned is what many companies do not do as consultants they are not having company adopt or endorse them and and therefore it, it means then by getting accredited we are swifting and actually scaling off mm-hmm. uh, the people who are not in the licensed space so we are running mm-hmm. a licensed education program process and it, it becomes very interesting because with this company we are pursuing two things one community development as you know from the skills uh, development act uh, of the country and from the broad based bee mm. it was very apparent that black people need a lot of skills for us to be able to run this economy to have the economy transformed and to have economy controlled by black people we need a lot of skills so skills remain skills development remain an opportunity and we have seen that and we are we are pursuing that so a lot of our communities are then in in need and there is demand for what the same ap is doing at the same time we we the, 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 the other part of the coin is we are able to make money because as there is a demand for skills and demand for education especially business what they call portable skills That's government right. is able to buy into our 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 products 
and companies, big companies are able to buy into our products. Those that want to advance the skills revolution as in, in following the, the skills development act of the country. So SSM Edu is here. And I must say uh, it is actually doing well because of, like I said, being accredited means that uh, you are well recognized like any other further education training institution. You are a private sector. You can work with government. You can work with big companies. So these are the four companies that I am doing. And uh, well, well, yeah, the, the companies that are very active. And there's still a lot of ideas that are evolving. But as you know, an entrepreneur will do what is possible and what is practical. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, four companies that you are running on your own. Congratulations on that. How are you running four companies? Do you have um, CEOs for each of the entities or you've got a director? How is an entrepreneur? Are you actually able to run? Most companies? of these companies are still new and uh, meaning I have to be hands on in running them. But uh, okay. the the, 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 what makes it easier for me to run them is that I don't do them on my own. And of course, I cannot get licenses to run them on my own. As you know, every company mm -hmm. has got its own special skill. And uh, much as I do have master's degrees, but they are not in all fields. So I, my advantage is the ability to recognize talent, especially within my immediate friend cycle of professionals. Mm -hmm. I recognize them if they have skills that i do not have i have this thing of being able to lower them into working with me you know and and they agree they see my vision they buy into the vision we build a company so it becomes easier to run these companies because of that ability to partner and to be a team player with other people you know so that is that is what i do and as you know everybody wants to be leading in his own okay own way I, I actually have these people as partners more than as employees. So they become uh, directors of the company. They are registered. They are owning the companies with me. So I'll get an idea, sell it, and people will buy into it. That is one thing that makes it easy for me to, to run these ideas. But secondly, going forward, of course, I have uh, in my mind that as every business grows in its own uh, sector, I am going to hand it over to a chief executive officer who will be running that company. That is my vision. But you you will okay. need to, a CEO is employed, obviously you'll need to give that person a market-related salary. So the challenge with you as a business person owner is that you need to build a company so it can sustain itself and also sustain the people that it employs. So at the moment, I know very well that in no long time to come, the same aid in particular because it's very busy. Uh, it is one of the first companies that we have already identified a lady who is a HR practitioner, a training practitioner, who is keen to actually running it. So that is my vision to, at the end, have these companies, all of them having CEOs running. Awesome. I know when you when I listen to a lot of other entrepreneurs, they really say if you want to su succeed in a business, in running your business, you need to get people on board. And I see that's also what you are doing. Um, your ability to get the talent to run, help you run your four entities. I want to go back to your four companies. What is your entrepreneurial philosophy in terms of, uh, I mean, some other entrepreneurs think that, you know what, you need to start one company and you become the leader of that company and that's it. You become the CEO, founder and CEO, you move ahead. But you are running for companies now already that are pretty much new. 
Yeah, an entrepreneur like me, you are fighting with uh, two things. One, you're fighting with time. And, but at the same time, you're fighting with the fact that you've got ideas. Every time you sit and sleep, every time you look around, an idea of business comes. And the question is, do I bank this idea to the future or do I roll it down immediately? Time meaning that uh, we don't have all this time to ourselves. Businesses need you whilst you are still energetic. So uh, how I work, mm -hmm. my philosophy really is to exploit the opportunity as I said, uh, I, I, I believe in the philosophy that uh, write your dream down and have the herald run with it. And that is a biblical principle in the book of Habakkuk. I really believe in that. If I have an idea uh, which is impressing me, which is giving me sleepless nights, I will write it down. I will try to see if it's really a business. If it is a business idea, I will think about how to making it work. Like, for instance, Kifas, as I said earlier on, I will practically identify a, a, a skill or a talent that can carry that idea. I'll give you an example. At the moment, we are having an opportunity in the occupational health and safety space where people, companies and government need OHS practitioners. In fact, they need skills there. They need training in there. And now we are in the period of COVID-19. Everything is about healthcare and all those sort of stuff. I'm not a health pro professional. But I have seen an opportunity and I know how to conceptualizing a waking idea. So what I do, I have friends who are medical doctors who are comfortable in running their own practices without having to train other people. And I am selling an idea that every professional, everybody who is in the high echelon, a doctor, a master's graduate, you need to have a way of transferring skills. And the advantage with how we do it in business is the transferring of skills is not a, a social gesture. Yeah, it, 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 it's something that it brings revenue. And in fact, many companies are sustained by them deciding to do skills transfer. So I'm selling this idea, which many people don't have. I'm going to my doctor friend and say to him, we need you in that space, but we are going to be training people on your field, but at a lower level of occupational health and safety. And they buy the idea. And then I bring them into the company I train them because you need to be trained for you to be able to, to train and be accredited the way government wants. So my list is to do what the little thing that they don't have to making them licensed into training. So I do so that is how that is how I don't sleep with my ideas. And if I find a friend or a professional who buys into my idea, who is fascinated about the idea and who shows ability to pursue independently that particular idea then I'm ready to support. So that to say to you, I, I don't want to sleep with the idea. I want to crack it as it is still hot. Of course, the question with many businesses will ask is, how then do you maximize profit in all these concepts yeah. that are coming with? The, the very same point I'm saying is, we maximize profit by placing the right talent to running with the idea. Another strategy which I am having, because I am, I, I'm also aligning my business with the global vision and government vision of fighting unemployment, fighting uh, 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 poverty. So what I do as well, I practically identify young graduates, young professionals who are unemployed and uh, who are in particular facets, for instance, in healthcare, who, who are where I am not and who are not working. I bring them into making a team that could pursue opportunities that you are seeing in their particular sector and by so doing they get employed while exploiting mm -hmm. the idea that I had. So 
I, I, it's not like I decide to have many ideas and run multiple businesses just to show that you've got blood. No, it's not. The, the point is you are cracking the idea as it comes. Any idea wow. that an entrepreneur has pursuing a particular opportunity. And the least which I am grateful of about myself is the ability to identify talent and to place talent and to use talents to the convenience of that particular talent. So I think that is the only advantage which I think I have. I don't believe in wow. doing everything by myself. I believe in partnership. And that is what makes me to be able to pursue multiple ideas. Wow. Wow. That's that's really amazing. Really great listening to you now in terms of your philosophy for business as an entrepreneur. When you were uh, sharing at the beginning, you said that you um, worked, you came from corporate, you worked for government, came from corporate. At what point did you decide that, you know what, I want to run my business? And what made you decide or make that decision? Honestly speaking, like I said, time is my challenge. Um, I knew as a commerce graduate that my life is not going to end corporate. I'm not going to be an employee forever. Number two, I was a very hard worker. I think I did my work very well. People admired my work. So what made me to, to think of uh, jumping ship to private sector is the fact that I was nearing 40. And I have been, as I told you, I've been an activist. I've given my time, my life. I've sacrificed a lot to community development through leadership and while at the same time being employed. So I told myself I, don't, I haven't done a lot to myself. Uh, in building my own legacy and in building my own sustainable future. So when I neared 40, I really said to myself, perhaps it is time for me to invest the remaining time of my life into what I know it is my ultimate goal of running my own business. And I cannot delay it until I'm retired because at the point of retirement, you are tired. You, you don't have energy. So yeah. rather let me do it in my midlife, in my mid-40s, when I am matured, everybody likes me, everybody's fascinated about me. So the little bit of what people like, which is my energy, my skills, my talents, let me invest it in my own business mm. so I can then build my future. So I am actually fighting against time. So that is that is what drove me into my own business. And of course, I did have business ideas. I remember the first business that I wanted to pursue was property, particularly I was tired of paying a bond. Like every professional has got a house in town, in a suburb, you are paying a bond. But I was a bit tired of paying a yeah. bond in a car and also really paying cashless KFAS. I did not have, I was earning a lot enough. I was happy with my salary, but I was running out of money before month end. So I was actually not having as much money as I wanted. And the idea which I wanted was to cut off the bond. And I thought of how do I cut off the bond? Uh, the idea came into saying you can cut off bond if you are having a property where you pay a bond, but the property generates money on its own. So I was thinking, what property can is it that can make me uh, pay a bond, or maybe pay, that property pay a bond for itself? So the immediate thought I, I had was a plot or a farm. So while I was still working, while I still have an income. I can get a plot or a farm and take the bond from the house, which was just an expense, and invest it in the plot. Mm. And in the plot, you, it's zoned for agricultural and for residential. So you can do two things. You can stay and also you can do business. So I could then have crops. I could have livestock like uh, goats, sheep, 
if I want to, then I could then commercialize and make income. That was the idea which I had. But me being myself, like I told you, I don't sleep with an idea. I then sold my house in the suburb. And then I'm, I remember I made a cash because as long as I've been staying in the house, I had about half a million uh, cash uh, from that mm. the proceed of the house. So I then pursued a plot. And then fortunately, I found a plot which had a lodge. I mean, it was more than a farm. It had a, a lodge, like a hospitality business. Wow. And it was very cheap. Yeah, it, it, by the time, it was less than five million. I'm sorry to, to count the numbers, but but it was so reasonable in my view. I had I had I had I had what what the banks would want like 10 20 percent deposit I pursued it and the, the buyer the sellers uh, bought into my idea and that was me then taking a risk keepers that was a huge risk that I took then I invested money in there and uh, that because you cannot seek money to finance your business when you are not in business so you needed to take a risk of selling your property and have your money hanging somewhere to look for a partner finance to acquire a property you wanted. And unfortunately, as it was a risk, I did not manage to finally own that lodge. I, I remained a partner with my small investment for about four or five years, whilst at the same time seeking a funding for me to have the total property to myself. And that is the challenge of business then kicked in where you find practically it is difficult for, for me to get what I want. I did not get that funding. So, so then I was left in a limbo, but being a business graduate and student, then I understood that business is about risk. So that is how I started. I even resigned from my employment because funders were saying to me, we can't invest our money on you whilst you are not spending 100% of your time in the business to look after our, our loan or our money. So I had to resign and look into going to my business. So if they give me financing, I can give my 100% time to this pro business so so then that was it that was the beginning and uh, of course uh, then growing every day sleeping with that business a lot of other business ideas came until i decided to relocate to to johannesburg where everything started settling and after two three years uh, business started getting established but you'll be surprised that that first idea of that property and that plot is not what is actually happening now it's other ideas hence i well, like I like the idea of a person entertaining any seed of an idea that comes into you because uh, in the African uh, proverb says, uh, let them be born in numbers because you don't know one which one of them will sustain you. So wow. the many ideas you have, one of the ideas will sustain you and I'm proof to it. Wow. That farm, so is it still running or you? it's not running anymore? It is run. I have. I, I'm telling you a real, a real story that people who aspire to go for businesses who don't take a step into business, they have not yet realized the the risk element of what business is. It. I, I, it is still running. You'll be surprised that for the three years that I've been talking to the development corporations, to the funding agencies, to the banks, actually. I know. I remember one bank promised me uh, to give me seventy percent of the loan. And they wanted me to add more on my 10%. They said, bring 30%. And when I was giving them 30%, they then said, we can no longer fund. And that was a disappointment. And the partners were motivated by the promises I had with the, with the banks. And up to where they were tired, they, they wanted to sell. They were white people. They wanted to sell this property. They wanted to get out of business. So they were just giving me time 
to get money. So for three, four years, I did not succeed getting that uh, that money which they were looking for. And unfortunately, then they told me that uh, they had a buyer who was able to give them uh, the money they wanted, uh, that they can no longer wait anymore. And uh, so I then that is when I was going to disinvest. So a new guy came in, a lawyer, I remember, by he's a lawyer by profession, he bought the property. And then, of course, I, I got my investment back. And then I used that money uh, from that business to invest in my minerals business, which is now running. So okay. that is that is how it's happening. It's happening. The plot is running at the moment, but not under me. I have taken my interest out and invested elsewhere. That is why I'm talking about farming uh, in wildlife, because I, I still pursued my farming ambition. And I was lucky in my consulting, in my passion for community development, I had met a lot of customers who were able to mandate their land to me. At the moment, I am looking after uh, farmland uh, of um, 10 to 15,000 hectares. My product wow. was just one hectare. Now I'm responsible for uh, 10 to 15,000 hectares of land. So which is which is great. My, my vision also is to really having a farm. I, I believe in farming. So I need to have a property uh, of my own, even if it's... Um, 100 hectares, uh, 20 to 100 hectares that I can say it's my future. So I believe in farming. I believe there's a future there. So I'm pursuing it. Uh, it took a different angle. Uh, but that idea that I started business with, I am still pursuing it. Wow. Awesome. Amazing to hear that now uh, that we're talking about farming, in South Africa, farming is a topical issue with the land. And um, what are your thoughts in terms of growing farming in South Africa? particularly black farmers in South Africa? I get excited, Kefas, uh, uh, when you talk about farming in South Africa. I get fascinated. I love yeah. it. I love South Africa for the strategy in advancing farming in general, especially the restitution of land, uh, not the latest restitution of that compensation, but any form of restitution. What government had started in 1998, I loved it. Now, that is why me being a professional with master's degrees and my ability as well to work with teams. So what I did in my training company, because I know that communities are going to get learned, but communities don't have skills. You know that they don't have skills. They don't have farming skills, especially black people. They don't have money. Mm -hmm. Now I am this uh, investment promotion or financing executive of the past. I'm a bit, I'm, I've got the ability to raise funds. I've got my training company and I can train and empower communities to do their businesses. So what we did, we then went into getting accreditation for us to be able to train farmers, people who've got land, who needed skills for farming, we can mm -hmm. uh, we can then train them. So I was lucky. And the AgriCita, which is Agricultural Sector Education Training Authority of South Africa, was the first CETA or state organ to give us accreditation on training people in farming. So we are now training people on animal and plant production. It becomes very interesting because wow. we know every community that government gives land, the land lends into people who don't have portable skills for farming. And we are there as a solution. That is what makes me interest, interest, interested in this venture. But secondly, of course, with my 15, uh, 12, 15 years of investment promotion, I'm able to help communities who don't have skills, who don't have money to package their land commercial land to build them business plans and then to explore funding markets for them and and that is what we are currently busy with at the moment uh, so far for the past two years 
we have been able to raise funding to the tune of 40 million like approved mm. to wow. communities that have commercial land and uh, and uh, we are able to last year 2020 from february to december we were able to train um community members about 200 of them i'm sorry 115 actually we came into our farming training and we are partnering with companies and government which are also having a vision uh, of of empowering communities uh, government is a, is a is a machinery but they okay. are not on the ground so they partner with us we go to the ground they finance us we go and train people i know that we also have a partner anglo-american they are also having in their social responsibility uh, to giving communities portable skills and farming and they need accredited training providers to work with and we were lucky to find anglo liking our idea and uh, at the moment we are training all their retiring employees who they want them to go pursue farming they are trained by us but also anglo had adopted communities with land restituted land they've adopted these people and for them to help them is to give them training and then we come in with anglo we train those people so it becomes very interesting uh, as, as as i see how how the market is actually uh, so much in support of communities particularly for farming so yeah. there the space in south africa it's so interesting uh, for me as a business person it's so opportune uh, though when we go to communities we don't go particularly displaying our profit motive so we go there supporting them i must say we don't take any cent from communities that we are helping we look for partners okay. who are fundable who are having money who can partner with us to go down to the communities the the only thing we leave with the community is skills and it's money for them to use in their businesses and then we go back and we will sort ourselves with government we will sort ourselves with anglo-americans of this world uh, in terms of financing our energy and, and involvement in, in community development so uh, i'm finding the current space of uh, farming and the vision of heavy of incorporating black people or africans into the commercial farming stream very interesting and i'm happy kefas uh, the many ideas that i had again you know of you entertaining making every idea a business like you know when i have an idea yeah. of skills development i don't sleep with it i go and see how i can make it a product now there it is a product and now it is selling you know that that is that is what i like about being multifaceted but multifaceted so farming in south africa is so much interesting i remember i was telling one executive of a blue ship company saying i i wish this political party that is so much pushing for a restitution of land without compensation but just give me the entire membership you know because i have the capacity we have all the capacity and the products to train them so they can have portable farming skills and the future of South Africa will be very interesting. Wow. In terms of your reach, um, your training, are you all over South Africa? And um, are you looking for partners all around South Africa? What is your model and how do you identify these farmers that need training? We are all over South Africa. Well, we started in Limpopo, which is my home province. But now, uh, I, I know last year uh, we did Christic province and uh, we did Northwest province. We did Mpumalanga province. So now we are very national and we had made our partner aware okay. as well that we are national because uh, what we are doing is on demand, especially being done by a black company. It's on demand. So our partners are saying, position yourself as national. But on top of that, uh, farming is all about food security. 
And food security is not a problem of mm-hmm. South Africa alone. Food security is a problem of Southern Africa and the rest of the continent. So I must say, we are we are continental. We are wishing to be global. I'm saying this knowing that I have already registered a company of training in Botswana. Uh, we'll be finishing that process okay. end of February. We have registered a company in Lesotho. We will be finishing that process in in uh, in, in 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 February as well. So we we believe that. Uh, uh, the rest of the country, the rest of the SADC region uh, need us. Uh, Africans need skills into farming. It is not only South Africans, Black, mm-hmm. who were excluded from the economic mainstream. It is the rest of the Africans in the continent. So we need partners. If we can find partners and customers who will join us in uh, in giving into this uh, empowerment of Africans in general, it will be very interesting. And we are really looking forward and we wish we can have partners like South African government and like big companies in South Africa who are already having an eye and vision of empowering communities uh, into farming. So we, we will be very delighted, but also beyond South Africa. But that, that's really good because, you know, for a farmer who is in KZN might want to know if they can ask you to come and assist them, uh, knowing that you are national. I think that's a good thing yes. to know. Now, Farming is obviously a process from planting up until harvesting. Do you actually train them throughout the process? Yes, we. it's very interesting. I, I, I really love, I thank God for having given us an idea of training because uh, training, we also are, are learning there. And uh, the packages that we are offering to communities are very interesting and empowering. We have what we call agribusiness, which is the manufacturing of agricultural produce, which is what South Africa is driving that we do we move from being primary producers to uh, uh, producers of value-added products. So our training also includes uh, training people on producing value-added products like uh, processing and all those type of stuff. I remember uh, in Limpopo, Tawazimbi, we were training. People came into interested in farming, especially cattle farming, and one of the courses that we were giving them was animal product harvesting methods, which is uh, processing you know, cattle, and all those and doing beef and the like. So the course was very interesting. We take them through the abattoirs to see how the cattle, which they are actually heading, will eventually be making a money going into the butcheries. So we took them through the process. We trained them. And I remember one old man giving up and saying, this is difficult. I didn't think producing meat would be such a very uh, difficult process. But that is what we are bringing in first to have people see what they are doing in their farms in heading cattle uh, to see people doing what they are doing in their planting of crops to see the total value through the value chain and how much wealthy they can become if they were to exploit the whole value chain. yeah okay no that that's really great now i want to go back to your other businesses the minerals one how easy is it for you uh, to make it a profitable business you see, South Africa is a very interesting economy at the moment, and I think the enabler of this uh, exciting environment is the, 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 the democratic dispensation of post-1994, where transformation is a drive of the state. So so how, how it becomes possible for us is we are professionals. Of, of course, we've got all the abilities to, to do what uh, any other company is doing. And uh, to have okay. government policies recognizing that and, of course, giving us rights and licenses is one of the things that make it easier. Then. I think the only thing, of course, that makes 
few of us, it's the few people with ideas taking steps. It doesn't mean that you can be few. We can be many wow. if many people thought about it and took steps. But many people fear to take a step into a business. So we have taken steps, the few of us, and then we are licensed and we are playing in that space. So I think I must say, I must really confess and be upfront to say the enabling environment under democracy is what makes it very easier to us. But the second enabling factor, which don't we don't have to really forget, is the ability through education, the qualifications. So you really have to be mining professionals, you need to be business professionals because licenses are not given to people who do not have the skills. And government doesn't compromise okay. on that. So that is the second thing that it, that makes it easier for us. We are a group of qualified people into the industry. The third thing that is actually enabling us as is passion. I have uh, recognized that passion and drive, that burning desire keeps us going. So that is the third wow. thing that is making us stand in the market. We are very passionate and, and passion is able to get you going with or without any money. So that is that is that is what I'm seeing as making 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 us survive in the market and, and doing what we do. Well I like that. Passion makes you going, gets you going with or without money. So talking yeah. about that, um, as an entrepreneur yourself, what does it take to be a successful entrepreneur? I'm asking this question because someone out there listening to you thinks, but it's really difficult to step out and convert your idea into a real business. You being there, what does it take? I believe that the entrepreneurship, like any other profession, let me say it's a calling. I, I somehow believe in God, and, and I believe that God designs people to, to certain assignments and purpose in life. Let me believe that entrepreneurship, it's a, it's a calling. Okay. It's a calling because for you to survive in entrepreneurship is a combination of many factors. Number one, of course, you must be blessed with ideas, which all of us do. All of us do have business ideas. Yeah. But to top it up, you must have the drive, the passion, the passion to complement that idea. Idea alone cannot make it. So have the passion. Number two, have the courage mm. to pursue the idea. Uh, have the courage to pursue the idea. Uh, uh, that is that is the third thing, the third thing that I'm actually I'm, I'm actually uh, seeing making making entrepreneurship. But number four, really have all the energy and and the will to practically do it. Uh, do it and have the expertise as well mm. to help you uh, put your, your stuff together, put yourself together, uh, build what we are calling, uh, as every, anybody calls it, a viable business idea, a bankable business plan, as they put it. So have the, have the energy to practice it. So these four things, I think, I believe they are what makes an entrepreneur. Hence, I'm saying it's a calling because you need to be blessed with these attributes, not mm. just one. So, so I believe perhaps that we have this, I have this, I'm blessed somehow to be having this. But another thing which I think is making us do is an eye open for an opportunity for us. And uh, I don't want to boost on this, but I must say, I somehow have an ability to see an opportunity in everything and in everybody. I'm able to see a, a potential in everything and in everybody. And uh, as I said before, in being a team player, I'm able to work with all the talents and all the potentials. So the only thing that we are wishing for, which we are working hard 
which makes an entrepreneur is capital. So we are working on it very, very hard uh, to, to, to make money and also to have an opportunity of money to sustain all the five attributes that I've spoken about to make a successful entrepreneur. And making money is you working, making income, making revenue. But the other way of making money is getting the right partners who will be able to put resources together. So I think these attributes is it. It is, in my opinion, that makes that makes an entrepreneur. Wow! Wow! That's really really powerful. Uh, so basically, it's not easy to be an entrepreneur. You need to have that drive. Um, to, to be able to achieve those things, but also need to see opportunities. That I'm, yeah. That's what I'm hearing. I listened to one yeah. other uh, business leader, entrepreneur, who said to me that uh, some windows of opportunities open for us numerous times, but sometimes about us being ready to see those opportunities and actually enter. You know, when you look at now the journey you have traveled so far and your successes uh, in your businesses, what do you think is this, the secret to your success? Would you say, is it you as a hardworking person or maybe it was favor or you were lucky? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I think, let me let me be honest and say it's hard work. Okay. It's hard work and, com- it's hard work and commitment. Okay. Uh, favor and lucky is not discounted. Uh, where you are 70% uh, hardworking and people can see the effort yeah. and your hard work meets favor, then it becomes an added advantage. Mm. And of course, as like he may say, the definition of like it's, you know, it's a blessing. A like it's something you don't know when and how it comes, you know, a, a like meets you. Yeah. Uh, what I know is very portable, which we can do something about is either hard work or favor. Uh, like luck will come if you know if what designed us to succeed you'll give this luck on our path so let me say uh, 70% commitment which is what I do hard work remember commitment is what makes you to take the risk mm. to act uh, to practice to go for it that is the hard work that is what makes people to go for it to take all these risks favor you need it of course favor you need it Mm. And that is why we must behave. That is why you must act professional. That is why you must be smart mm. so that people can, can favor you. So favor we need. And of course, I did have some favors. And I know that some of the communities, for instance, that I'm helping, that are having a chunk, big size of farms, are very much related to me. And of course, they will give you business because they favor you. you know, mm. So we can't discount it. Also in the mainstream economy, including in government, uh, be it as a business person or even as an employee, you really need to have people who will favor you. Of course, as you know, that uh, people who are against affirmative action and employment equity, yeah. they will say it's because you are favoring black people. So that means that you can't discount favor, mm. but it is not favor as the main that sustains business. Because remember, favor will fade, favor will pass. Yeah. Uh, at the end of the day, you, your hard work and your commitment will remain. So. I believe that what makes us, what made me is really my hard work. Like I said to you before, when I was still an employee and the people who lowered me to finally taking a risk into private sector were people who recognized my hard work. Mm. And they said, as private sector, we want to partner with that type of energy. And they invited me in. So it was hard work that called me. Wow, wow. That's, that's amazing. 
what is the biggest lesson that you can share with anyone who may want yeah. to follow their dream as you did to achieve your uh, success um we were discussing uh, before this podcast that dreams do come true but what is the lesson that you shared to somebody who probably believes that dreams do come true but they don't know how they will come true yeah uh, courage courage uh, people need to have courage i believe everybody has an entrepreneur everybody has entrepreneurship mind everybody can be an entrepreneur but we need courage okay. uh, success is a product of the brain it's a bread of the brain we need to be courageous so that is what i can say to everybody and courage means a lot courage means have the idea and have the courage to step out mm. uh, people will talk about you having to move out of the comfort zone uh, what makes people not achieve their dreams is them being too comfortable in their comfort zone not wanting to go to take a risk we learned business and one of the attributes you have told you about when we learned business adversity and high school is a, this a risk taking it's what makes business people or entrepreneurs wow so uh, uh, courage is what makes people to want to take the risk and i must say without the risk of not knowing whether you're succeed or fail we are not going to be realizing our dream so i can just say as a parting shot that people must be courageous but let me add to say people must also be smart because people must be smart remember in business and as an entrepreneur you are selling yourself yeah. so people should not be loose people must package themselves well and packaging yourself well does not mean really wearing suits all the day you have seen me i think i did not wear anything smart but uh, you are presentable yeah. Uh, where that confidence uh, where the smile where the courage that is what people are buying from wow. you so to add to that commitment of course these are some of the components of yourself which you must bring into the picture you are selling yourself as an entrepreneur capers mm. you have no boss you have no boss so people are buying what you are presenting and there's nothing you're presenting other than yourself wow wow that's really powerful thanks for sharing that so before we wrap up um we are in covid uh, 19 pandemic and you are an entrepreneur and you are doing business in this pandemic what has covid 19 taught you as an entrepreneur uh well covid 19 taught me a lot of things but let me say i think uh the, then that is when i'm going back to seeing luck you know because during covid-19 remember we had an option of falling or or moving on and of course to move on is not your choice circumstances must enable you to move on in as far as in as much as circumstances are really making people cease so that is where luck came and and i'm grateful if as again for my multiple ideas because one or two ideas are sustaining you during this covid-19 stuff Uh, but remember people are saying if you don't plan you plan to fail so all the ideas that people are having about business uh, which before a doom day you are waking on them you know you don't know what the future holds uh, these are the lessons that you then take that uh, should it not have been me thoroughly planning for the future you will not have survived periods such as covid-19 and what it says to us as we're going forward is we don't know whether these periods will come again in the future 
So we rather have to do work hard and uh, whatever you think in your mind will sustain you at the end of the day. If it is business, I think I may want to encourage people to plan around that, take the risk, go for it, because perhaps during doom days, COVID-19 of the future, you will be grateful that you are passing uh, through the period having prepared yourself. So I've learned that preparedness, planning, really is the mother of everything. But I must say, like everybody, uh, this period is so much confusing. You don't know what will have come with, and uh, you really don't know what you are taking. But we are grateful. We are learning now that the online uh, is the the thing, and uh, we are learning as well that being professional is the the thing. Commitment is the the thing in business. Doing business, you still have to survive. Commit yourself to a business when you are at home. Business is not just in the office. Mm. So we are learning, taking a lot of things from COVID-19. Mm. But I must say, we are happy the season came and it found us ready. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Thank you. Indeed, uh, COVID-19, confusing. Uh, but we are in it. We are, we are surviving in it. But importance of planning. When you look at your businesses now, for someone listening to you, and might want to partner with you who are the people that might say if you want to partner with us please come through with these services um, to impact the communities that you're working with i have a, a problem and a bad uh, that all professionals and professionals i mean everybody who's got a post-metric qualification must be active in his or her own right independently uh, imparting skills somehow. So I want professionals in all disciplines. I can partner with them in training because as we know, Africa, South Africa, and all provinces of this country, neighboring countries, for us to be able to advance our economic plight, we need to be skillful. So we are having this vehicle, which is the same. Uh, I, I know company can take anybody we just have to trim and train people and make them relevant in transferring their skills. Uh, I know that now I have an idea of how to making a person make money from his or her profession through skills transfer. And uh, I can mentor people and uh, until they are realizing uh, wealth, uh, and of course, in partnership with us. So uh, as I am here, I can say the people that we want to partner with are all educated people, all educated people. Uh, the so-called illiterate Africa that people are talking about need a few educated people to partner to change the environment. So I am ready to partner with those people. But secondly, on a practical note, we need to partner with big companies. There are big companies there that are wanting to support communities that are having a social responsibility budget, uh, that are having budgets to offer to the communities. And skills is one of those things that companies want to offer. So we are having skills that are licensed skills, portable skills programs. And uh, we can be happy to partner with companies that can trust us with their resources. And they will tell us which are communities that we have to, to be training. And farming is the main area which we know and uh, we believe will change the lives of applicants in general. So if we can have as many partners as possible, big companies, governments that can say to us, we have financial resources, uh, we need um, portable skills, technical expertise, to empower uh, young people and to empower uh, their communities, particularly into farming and into entrepreneurship. We are looking for those type of partners. But, uh, but at, 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 at the bottom line, all professionals must come because 
uh, skills industry is very diverse and one person cannot actually be able to offer the demands of the whole industry but the many of us working together we can be able to change the literate uh, state that south african listening to you now i can really hear your passion your your passion for communities for development uh, for entrepreneurship in general when you're growing up as a young person did you foresee that you will end up here obviously you in 10 years time i might talk to you again you might be in a different level but i want to find out did you foresee you being an entrepreneur when you were like 10 years old yes yes i did uh, especially when i was 10 years old when mm-hmm. i was 9 years old i remember in sub a as people would always say i was selling peanuts i was selling sweets yeah. i did the same in sub a sub b uh, i was uh, I was selling I was selling uh, pencils I was selling bread what we're doing we're exchanging bread with pencil okay uh, so uh, I was selling all those so I could sell people a pencil they give me a bread or I sell them a bread they give me a pencil but I was trading actually so I had a dream that I would run my business and remember I also studied business and for your information I tell people in my training that if you need to know everything about business I am a one stop I I did business from the age of 14. Wow. Uh, at standard 8 when it was not fashionable. When the South African schools, secondary schools were introducing commercial subjects, I was one of the students which um, our high schools piloted the idea with. So we were, we were the people who started learning accounting, business economics at a very very young age before matric. And I pursued business and commerce at varsity I even do it at the master's degree level. So I I know everything about business. I had a dream I will actually go run my business, but as you know, uh, the pride of South Africans, you need to be employed for you to survive. Uh, you need to, employ, to be employed for your, for your family to survive. Yeah. But you also need to be employed to gain experience and to be matured. Yeah. Uh, that is where I value employment. I don't buy the idea of people doing business when they are still very young mm-hmm. at the age of 18, 19, 20 and when they are 30 they drop out of business. So uh, I I I like the idea of people being employed. I was actually employed as I said to you when we we started. I got employed but I knew I cannot retire being an employee and mm-hmm. I need to also resign when I'm still having energy because I need to invest most part of my energy and time in building my own enterprise which is my ultimate wow powerful powerful indeed um if you want to know business people can talk to you and the good thing is that you are a trainer as well so the last question uh is an activist yourself it would be interesting to hear you um answering this question um it is that um what is the one thing that you really love about South Africa i ask this question so that all our listeners will get to experience or know South Africa from your perspective sam i love the transformation agenda of south africa i love the transformation policies of this country and i love government's poli- commitment to transformation okay yeah, that fascinates me because honestly speaking without this uh, most of us especially africans who will not be pursuing the dreams like the way we are doing thanks a lot really good to hear your thoughts on that and um we've come to the end of our conversation today i uh, really appreciate you taking the time to come to speak to me 
Thank you so much, Kefas. And that was Sam Maloka, the founder and CEO of Sesemco. Thank you for listening and if you like my podcast please do subscribe and also I appreciate your ratings and reviews.